Welcome to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart, coming to you live right here on TalkingAlternative.com here in New York City. And, you know, last week we sort of finished up the show and the Hurricane Sandy was just kind of starting to come into the New York area. And, you know, it, we've, uh, we obviously now know the outcome of that and the devastation that it brought um, up along the Jersey Shore uh, into northern New Jersey, New York City, I think all five boroughs have been affected, and up through Connecticut, Westchester County. So uh, what I wanted to do to kind of start the show off today uh, is kind of give everyone, because, you know, when things like this happen, the first thing most people think of is, you know, how can I help? Are there ways that I can help? What can I do? And sometimes it's kind of, you get a little overwhelmed because there's so many different organizations that uh, that maybe you want to send money to, you want to donate clothing, you want to donate items, uh, whether that be food, um, uh, etc., and, and, and your money. And, and perhaps you want to donate your time, you know, which is also something that everyone along this sort of uh, tri-state area, the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area really needs. So... Uh, what I thought I'd do for the first segment today is give everyone a, a nice sort of easy list of, of reputable organizations that need your help, uh, that are giving up-to-date information on things that people need. I know in the New York area, we're really hard-hit areas of the Rockaways and Breezy Point uh, out in Queens and Staten Island and down along the Jersey Shore, which is just, you know, most of the shore is now part of the... Uh, part of the ocean at this point, which is very, very sad. Um, so basically, I'm going to kind of go through and give you a couple of great, uh, I've been sort of searching through a lot of different sites going from um, sites for each state and government officials and, and things like that. And and um, one thing I will say is uh, another great resource is really to go to perhaps your Twitter or Facebook pages if you are on either one of those, and you'll see if maybe some of your friends are maybe mobilizing, maybe doing things to donate. I know a friend of mine, uh, the New York City Marathon was supposed to be yesterday, which was canceled, which I think in the end was a good thing. Um, but you had all these runners from all over the world coming, 30,000, 40,000 runners. A friend of mine organized a group of runners. I think it turned out to be almost 1,200 people went down to the Staten Island Ferry Stop in Lower Manhattan, went over to Staten Island with backpacks full of uh, things that people needed, and they ran through Staten Island and went door to door. They helped clean out people's basements and homes and so it was a, such a great success and and uh that was all uh partially organized by Dr. Jordan Metzel. He's an orthopedic doctor out of hospital for special surgery. So kudos to them. And um, I think that's a great way to volunteer your time and to do something that that people really needed and really appreciated down there in Staten Island. So now let's go 
to, like I said, things can be a bit overwhelming. There's a lot of sites out there that you can choose to donate to. So let's go through a couple of very sort of reputable sites. And these are a couple uh, from Senator uh, Kristen Gillibrand. She's a U.S. senator from New York State. Um, And she up on her website and also her Facebook page gives pretty good uh, up-to-date information on where things are needed. So uh, Kristen Gillibrand's site is a great one to go to. Uh, So here are a couple of uh, good, reputable uh, organizations to donate to. Of course, you're probably seeing this all over TV the last few days is the American Red Cross. A uh, very easy way to donate to the Red Cross is to text Red Cross, all cap letters, to 90999. $10 will be donated to Hurricane Sandy Relief. I did that the other day. It's very easy to do. You text to 90999. They send you a text back to confirm. You hit yes, and then your $10 is automatically added to to your phone bill. Uh, to find out more about what you can do specifically in the New York area, you can go to www.nyredcross.org. Okay, number two, the United Way of New York City and United Ways along the Eastern Seaboard are a great way to help in the short term and the long term. I think a lot of times we donate, donate, donate in the first couple of weeks, and then a month or two goes by. It becomes, quote unquote, old news, even though I'd hate to say it, and people kind of forget. So the United Way is committed to both short term and long term. And again, an easy way to donate is to text RECOVERY in all caps to 52000. And again, it'll donate $10, which will be added to your phone bill. Or you can check out www.uwsandyrecovery.org. And like I said, if you want up-to-date info on where to donate supplies, if you're in the area, uh, you can go to Facebook. If you're on Facebook, like Senator Gillibrand's page, and she's been updating really daily, so she's really been on top of it. Now, if you want to donate specifically to food banks, because a lot of uh, people have lost everything, so if you wanted to donate specifically to food banks in New York City or Long Island, you can go to cityharvest.org. City Harvest is a great organization that I personally support every year, and you can be sure that your donations will be going to the people and places that need it most. This is a great organization. Another organization out of New York is if you again you're in the New York City area and you want to do or if you're not and you just want to donate or if you want to come out and help I would suggest New York Cares as a great way to volunteer your time or money you can go online you can register as a volunteer the only glitch I saw was that in order to uh, go out and volunteer it looked like you had to go through an orientation it looked like all the orientations were pretty full for the next couple of of weeks, but they may change that. So you can check them out at www.newyorkcares, that's N-E-W-Y-O-R-K, cares.org, and they're going to be involved in cleanups efforts, again, in the short term and the long term. Now, New York Cares is a great organization. They do cleanups all over the city year-round, so now they're just sort of kicking it into high gear, and we'll hopefully have a lot more Uh, people volunteering to be a part of New York Cares. Um, 
The New York City Mayor's Office is urging people to sign up at www.nycservice.org. And from this site, you can donate money, goods. You can find out how you can volunteer all over New York City. And to find out uh, another group, um, to find out the latest in volunteering for New York and New Jersey, you can go to www.occupysandy.org. And... um, Occupy Sandy, at first I was a little skeptical, uh, but then when you go on and, and you take a look, they are really updating by the hour, you know, so they're, they are able to tell you specific drop-off points, let's say in Staten Island, uh, out in the Rockaways. They have a section for in, down at the Jersey Shore, northern New Jersey, so specific sites and specifically what people need. So, for instance, out in the Rockaways, I know that they were inundated with clothes. They have tons of clothes. Now they need things like garbage bags, masks, flashlights, batteries, uh, canned goods, non-perishables, things like that, stuff that you don't necessarily have to cook to eat. Because don't forget, these people have lost all their power. They've lost their homes. Um, So things like that, blankets, uh, that's stuff that people really, really need. Um, And in Staten Island specifically, there's statenisland.recovers.org. And you can go there to find out the latest volunteer opportunities and where and how to get much-needed supplies to Staten Island. Uh, another way to get supplies to Staten Island, and of course, if you're listening in in the New York City area, uh, there is uh, 160 West 71st Street. There's a woman there who is bringing, making daily or weekly runs. I'm sorry, to Staten Island, and she's working through the Staten Island Kiwanis Club. So you know that everything that you're donating there will definitely get to people in Staten Island and will be used immediately. And another thing that I think is something to think about, and sometimes we kind of lose sight of this, but you can also think of donating to the Humane Society. So the Humane Society is accepting donations for pet search and rescue in New York and New Jersey after the storm. And they're also taking in many more pets because, don't forget, these pets no longer have a home. And they need to be fed and they need to be cleaned and they need to be taken care of. And these are a big part. So for all those families who've lost their homes or or partially lost their homes, you know, to be able to help find their pet and care for their pet, it's a big deal. And that is www.humanesociety.org. So now, of course, we want to donate to something that is legitimate. And unfortunately, in times like these, not everybody's nice, not everybody's honest, and not everybody is doing things out of the goodness of their hearts. So here are some basic tips on how to donate safely. And again, this comes from uh, Senator Kristen Gillibrand's website. So tips to consider before you donate. Give only to charities you know and trust. So things like the American Red Cross, the United Way. You know, these are trustworthy sites. Check a charity before you donate. So you could see the Better Business Bureau's Wise Giving Alliance at www.bbb.org and then just look up under charity. Be alert for charities that seem to have sprung up overnight. 
ask if the caller is a paid fundraiser, who he or she works for, and what percent of your donation goes to the charity versus the fundraiser. So something to think about. And never give out your personal or financial information unless you know the charity is reputable. And even then, you don't have to do that in order to donate. Like I said, if you wanted to donate to the Red Cross, you just text Red Cross to 90999. It's that simple. And never send cash. You can't be sure the organization will receive your donation, and you won't have a record for tax purposes. So those are just some things you want to keep in mind when you are looking to donate, because I know everybody wants to help. Everybody sort of has that feeling of helplessness, and and perhaps to give a little bit of yourself, your time, your money, your goods, um, will, you know, help you in your recovery process after this and will help those that were really severely hit with this storm. So again, I know that was a lot of info. I'm going to put a lot of this stuff up on my Facebook page, which is Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. So if you go to that, you'll be able to click on that. And it will also be on my Twitter page, which is at Karen Litzy NYC. So if you didn't get any of those, I should have said to take out your pen and paper before we started. But all of that information will be written down um, later on today on both my Facebook site which is Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart with Karen Litzy, and on Twitter at Karen Litzy NYC. So uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're shifting gears. And uh, a few weeks ago, I had the pleasure to attend the APTA Women's Health Fall Conference in Portland, Oregon, taught by Paul Hodges, uh, Dr. Paul Hodges and Dr. Laura Mermosley. So I'm going to give a very, very brief and very, very dumbed down um, synopsis of of the course. We're going to mainly talk about Lorimer Mosley's stuff, and then maybe in a couple of weeks we'll go through Paul Hodge's stuff. It was a lot of info, so please stay tuned for, for all of that information, and we'll be right back. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Join the Metaphysical Center of New Jersey and the Association for Higher Awareness for exciting events this fall, live, just minutes from New York City in Pompton Plains, New Jersey. Greg Braden will discuss his latest book, Deep Truth, Living on the Edge. Are you ready for 12 12 Save the dates. Greg Braden, November 9th and 10th. Visit metaphysicalcenterofnewjersey.org or ahanj.net. Are you concerned about the future of your business or career? Would you like it all to just be better? Well, the way to do that is through better communication. And the best way to do that is training from the team at Improving Communications. This is Larry Sharp, host of the Ivory Tower Radio Program and director at Improving Communications. Does your office need better leadership, customer service, sales, or maybe better writing or speaking skills? Could they be better at dealing with confrontation, conflicts, and touchy subjects? All are covered here at Improving Communications. If you're in the New York City area, stop by one of our public classes or get your human resources in touch with us. The website is improvingcommunications.com. That's improvingcommunications.com. Improve your professional environment. Be more effective. Be happier and make more money. 
improving communications. That's the answer. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and thank you for joining me today. So like I said before the break, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had the pleasure uh, to attend the APTA Women's Health Fall Conference in Portland, Oregon. The APTA is the American Physical Therapy Association. Uh, It was an amazing weekend, uh, taught by Dr. Lorimer Mosley and Dr. Paul Hodges. And the whole weekend was organized by Sandy Hilton. She's a wonderful PT and part of the women's health section of the APTA. And she's out of Chicago. And she was actually a guest on this show a few months ago. Um, So it was great meeting her in person. Sandy did a great job and deserves and got a huge round of applause from uh, a class of almost 200 physical therapists and other Uh, professionals in attendance, but mainly physical therapists. So, you know, how does one take three days of, I have a binder in front of me of that's like 300 pages, you know? So how do you take three days of solid information and condense it down into 40 minutes? Well, you don't. Um, But what I decided to do is just try and take Uh, the main points uh, from each lecturer. Now, like I said, um, today we're going to focus on the stuff that Lorimer Mosley said, and then maybe in a couple of weeks we'll focus on the the information that Paul Hodges gave out. They're both highly respected and and great clinicians and great researchers. So as you can imagine, the information was a little overwhelming. But so let's sort of get into one thing that uh, Dr. Mosley spent a lot of time on, And I mean a lot of time. I'm going to say every single day we sort of went over this concept. And it's the idea of inputs and outputs on the brain. So basically, the brain brain picks up a number of inputs that ultimately produce an output of the brain. So let's say your output of the brain is a neurotag. Okay, and we've talked about neurotags in the past here. Neurotag is, uh, so let's say for simplicity's sake, we're going to say a neurotag of pain. So we all know that I've said a million times on this show already that pain is an output of the brain. Now, certain things have to be inputted for that output to happen. So inputs can come from a couple of different places. They can come from proprioception, which is information from the skin, the joint, the muscles, the tendons, or A-beta fibers. It can come from enteroception, which is internal chemistry, temperature, mechanical, A-beta, and C-fiber, so it's fast internal fibers. 
or exteroception. These are our senses. So we have sight, touch, smell, taste, sound, all that stuff. And then cognitive senses. So our memories, our beliefs, our logic, our explicit and implicit knowledge and expectations. So our explicit and implicit knowledge are things we know we know and things we don't even know we know. So all of that stuff goes into your system and an output, so like I said, for simplicity's sake, we're going to say um, an output of, we'll just use low back pain throughout the whole thing just to make it easy. So all of those inputs become an output. Now, one thing that uh, Lorimer Mosley said a couple of times, David Butler says it many times as well, is that all these inputs are impulses. And don't forget that thoughts are impulses too. So remembering that what the patient thinks can have an income on their pain because that thought is an input. And, you know, we've talked about that in the past on this show as well. So you have all of these categories, your exteroreception, your cognitive, your proprioception, and your interoception. All of those categories of inputs then create the output. The important thing to remember here is that the output can then become an input, So like it wasn't confusing enough. So you have all of these things going into your system to create an output of pain. Then that output of pain can then become an input. So think about it. You have all those inputs creating output of pain from the brain. Now you have pain. Let's say that pain makes you anxious. And that can trigger some enteroreception within the body that can cause more pain. So it can cause your sympathetic nervous system to rev up. You get those sweaty palms. Sweaty palms is an output. You feel that sweaty palms. It makes you anxious. That sweaty palms becomes an input. So I think at least this is what I got out of it. It can basically be a huge feedback loop. So then it is our jobs as the physical therapist to think about all of these inputs that can be contributing to your patient's output of pain And how can you modulate some of those inputs? So very simply stated, all of these inputs can cause the neurotag of, like I said, we'll say low back pain. So by perhaps modulating some of those inputs, can we not change that neurotag of pain? So uh, let's, and I know I've said neurotag a couple of times, and I know we've said it in the past, but uh, just to to talk about neurotags quickly, This is sort of going back to David Butler and and Lorimer Mosley. So a neurotag, they liken to a map of of event space in the system's coding space. So the coding space is all the possible combination of connections in the brain. And it is millions, millions, hundreds of millions, you know, infinite number of combinations of connections in the brain. So pain or jealousy could be an event that could take up part of this space. The event space has been referred to by Melzack as a neurosignature, so a pain signature exists within the neuromatrix. Mosley and Butler, they just tried to be a little bit more trendy about it and started to refer to the neurosignature as a neurotag. And Lorimer Mosley tells the story, the two of them were walking down the street and talking about this stuff, and they saw you know, a piece of graffiti, and David Butler said, hey, you know, it's kind of like a tag, like a neurotag. And so there you go. So that's where neurotag came from. So it's sort of uh, 
possible combination of connections in the brain. And you have all different neuron cells can make up one neuro tag. Now, you know, of course, it's far more complex than this. And, and like I said, I am really, you know, going to dumb it down here, um, mainly for my own benefit. Believe me, it's very, very complicated stuff. Um, so the pain neurotag exists in a snapshot of time, and it can change over time. It can change over context. Everyone's pain, pain, everyone's pain neurotags are different, and even our own neurotags could be structurally different within the brain over time. <sighs> so, like I said, very confusing. But, you know, if you think about a neurotag, there are different neurons within the brain that create a certain output. That output is the neurotag. So if it's low back pain, that's your neurotag. It could be fear, that's your neurotag. It could be anxiety, that's your neurotag. It could be bending forward. There are a certain number of cells within the brain that cause you to bend forward. The action of bending forward, that has its own neurotag. So hopefully that makes things a little bit easier to understand. Now, another thing that we talked about is what is pain? So he had sort of passed out a piece of paper and had everyone write down what their different definition of pain was. Now, I'm going to read uh, a new definition of pain, which was actually from Explain Pain with David Butler, of course, I took a couple of weeks ago in Quebec City. Uh, but it is by Lorimer Mosley from 2003. And he defines pain kind of something along these lines, a multiple system output, there's that output again, constructed by an individual specific pain neurosignature. This neurosignature is constructed whenever the brain concludes that body tissues are in danger and action is required and pain is allocated, an anatomical reference in the brain. So kind of a big definition there. Basically, pain is an output of the brain, I like to think of it, my definition would be pain is an output of the brain when there is tissue damage or when the brain thinks there is tissue damage. So you don't even need to have tissue damage to have pain. And it's basically that neurotag or like they said, uh, pain is allocated in an anatomical reference of the brain. So, you know, a little bit confusing but this whole input and output system that we, la- that we spent three days on, I think that the main thing to remember is that, you know, you have multi-system inputs going into the body causing that output of pain. And any one of those systems can contribute to the pain and it can become a feedback loop where that pain can then become an input. And so it keeps going around and around. And as a clinician, our job is to sit with that patient, talk to that patient, find out, hey, what are maybe some of their cognitive issues surrounding their pain? You know, what what are their exteroceptive issues, their touch, smell, taste. Some people may say, you know, just smelling, like if you were in a car accident and that's why you have neck pain, perhaps smelling gasoline because you smelled that after your car accident might give you neck pain. That can be part, that can be enough to trigger that input from that exteroceptive response can be enough to trigger that pain neurotag, you know? So they could have that and they could say, well, just thinking about that crash causes pain. Again, that's a cognitive input. 
you know? And then, of course, you have, you know, if I turn my head too quickly, or sometimes it could be driving past the spot where the accident occurred is enough to set off that neurotag of pain. And then it just keeps feeding around. So as the therapist, you know, you want to be able to really interview your your patient. You want to really understand kind of what possible inputs can lead to this output of pain, and then it will help us better treat them. So that's sort of one, uh, one of the more important parts, I think, of the course. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about how those neurotags can be facilitated, inhibited, disinhibited, imprecise, precise. Anyway, stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi, I'm Dana. And I'm Don. We are certified certified mediators. mediators. And I am a family and couples licensed therapist and author of Please Don't Buy Me Ice Cream. Our show, New Beginnings, is about helping you and your family recover financially and emotionally and start the beginning of your life. We'll answer your questions on divorce, family court, co-parenting, personal development, new relationships, blending families, and more. Dana and I will bring you to a place of empowerment and belief that even though marriages may end, families are forever. Join us every Monday starting September 10th at 10 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. a firefly who shined as bright as the moon and the stars with her guiding light. And welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy. And today we are going, I'm sort of giving a, a very light and, and, and uh, short synopsis of the class that I took as part of the Women's Health Fall conference taught by Dr. Paul Hodges and Dr. Laura Mosley. Today, we are kind of breaking down 
the lecture given by it was this was a three three days of lecturing by the way full days so I'm sort of breaking down the lecture given by Dr. Lorimer Mosley and then perhaps in a couple weeks I will do Dr. Paul Hodges so Last segment, we left off sort of talking about, which we spent a lot of time on at the course, talking about inputs and outputs and that sort of feedback loop and and how it's important as therapists to know what inputs are going in because maybe there is a way that we can modulate that. So, uh, and also sort of talked about neurotag. So I think we have kind of uh, the neurotag thing here, but Dr. Uh, Mosley during the course gave a great interactive definition of a neurotag. So picture this. He had everyone, let's say, everyone wearing a red shirt in the class to stand up. So it's a class of 200 people. That people had red shirts. They were kind of all over the place. They weren't all clumped in one spot. They were standing up all over the room. So, and again, we'll just say for, for uh, simplicity for today that that was a low back pain neurotag. And so what it showed is that the pain neurotag happens across the entire brain, not just one area. So it's not that pain from the back only comes from one area of the brain. It comes from all different parts of the brain because people all over the room stood up. So then you figure, connect them with an imaginary line, and that is your pain neurotag. That is your neurotag for low back pain. Then he would have them all stand up and then sit down. He would ask them to stand up and sit down several times. And he was also kind of using his arms to gesture for them gesture for them to stand and then to sit. Then he stopped telling them to stand up and sit down, but yet they continued to do it. So it's not that he had to keep saying, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. People just, you know, we kept doing it. And Basically, this equates to a neurotag that is facilitated, meaning it takes less input to cause the output. So everyone's sitting down, and he just kept saying, sit up, sit down. So picture everyone, he stopped saying it, yet everyone keeps going up and down just with him moving his hands. He didn't even have to speak anymore. So it took less and less input for that neurotag to become active. So we would call this sensitization and it may explain why pain that persists might start to get activated with less and less stimulus. So it's not that that pain neurotag is inhibited or disinhibited or that's going by Butler's language or uh, imprecise. It's that it is now sensitized, meaning it takes less and less input for that pain to happen, for that neurotag to activate. So, you know, for some people that are very sensitized or very facilitated, they may just have to think about the pain and it happens. You know, I, for one, was one of those people. I had such chronic neck pain that for me to even think about turning my head from side to side would cause pain. So it's not that in that respect, I wasn't very, I wasn't imprecise or disinhibited, but I was so highly sensitized that all it took was thinking about movement and that pain neurotag would jump up out of their seat. So everybody those red shirts would jump up out of their seat. So I thought that was a great way, a great interactive way to really let people understand how a neurotag works. Okay, now... 
Another thing to remember about a neurotag is that one part of your pain neurotag, so certain cells or neurons of your pain neurotag, can also be a part of another neurotag. So what does that mean? So maybe the neurotag, and again, we're using low back pain, may share the neurotag for the belief that bending forward will hurt. Therefore, if you just think about bending forward or you go to bend forward because they share those neurotags share cells, you're going to get not only those people. So let's say everyone with a blue shirt on is the belief that bending forward is going to hurt. They all stand up, but then people with the red shirt stand up because they share cells. Okay. So we as physical therapists or clinicians need to know this, and perhaps we can help to educate our patients to sort of decrease this fear avoidance, their fear of bending forward, and hopefully we will re-inhibit this neurotag. So if he no longer has that fear avoidance or that fear of bending forward, then perhaps it will not trigger the low back pain neurotag so that that patient will then be able to bend forward without that neuro tag of pain standing up, without everyone in the red shirt standing up. Now, of course, it takes more than just education for some. For some, it takes just education. For others, maybe they don't have the, the length in their muscles to do it. Maybe they don't, they don't have the, the mobility of the spine. So that's where our, our manual skills, of course, will come in. But being able to explain that, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but explain to the patient that, you know, this may be what's happening in your body. Sometimes just that explanation enough, so to stop that fear avoidance behavior, will stop triggering that neurotag of pain. So I hope that that makes a little bit of sense. And like I said, it's, this is a very kind of dumbed down explanation because this is kind of the way that I understood it. Um, now, the other thing, so let's continuing on, on that neurotag path. The other aspect of the neurotag Dr. Mosley spoke about in, regard, in, in regards to neurotags is the idea of imprecision. David Butler calls this knowing your inhibitions. So it's, it just, it's just nomenclature. You know, it's just whatever words you think is easier for you to understand. So when all works well within the brain... You have neurotags that are activated and others that are inhibited. That's completely normal. So for instance, like we were just saying, just thinking about bending forward, you should be able to think about bending forward and not have pain. So it should be the pain neurotags inhibited while the other one is working. That is normal. So this is what Lorimer calls being precise or having precision within the brain. But in some situations, like chronic pain, for some reason, and I believe someone did ask, and they don't know why yet, areas of the brain that should be inhibited become disinhibited. Or as Lorimer calls it, the brain becomes imprecise. So from what I gathered, being disinhibited and imprecise is kind of the same thing. So it's whatever word you you feel like is easier for you to understand. So like we said before, going back to that example of having everyone stand up with a red shirt on, that represents low back pain. Um, 
in some people, so the person, so what he did was then he had the person sitting next to the person with the red shirt on will also begin to stand up, but they don't have a red shirt on. They're not part of that neurotag. And this may cause pain in neighboring areas. So it's like the areas next to the low back pain neurotag become imprecise or disinhibited. And this may cause pain to spread to other areas. Okay, so if you think about everyone with the red shirt stands up, and then the people on either side of them say, you know, I kind of want to stand up because I want to see what's going on. So those people stand up, and now that's called disinhibition or imprecision. You know, so when things are precise, they work well. They work the way they're supposed to. When they're imprecise, they don't work well. So that's all it is. So imprecision is basically neighboring neurotags not working the way they should. They're not working well. And, you know, this imprecision can happen in, let's say, for example, the primary motor cortex, which is where our movement comes from. What does this mean then? So the patient may have confusion with movement. If you have imprecision in the primary motor cortex, you may have facilitation of adjoining neurotags, which may be enough to activate a pain neurotag. Imprecision of the motor cortex can cause pain to that motor area. So like I said before, just imagining the movement happening is enough to cause pain. Therefore, the brain will not even think about that specific any movement anymore, and you may start to neglect that space. Okay, and as a physical therapist, you know, I think we see that a lot, that idea of neglect. And it goes beyond, so you have a stroke and you neglect the, you know, the right side of your body. But, you know, you may have right-sided low back pain and neglect the right side of that low back. You may forget it's even there, you know, and, and, and that is that result of that imprecision. So, it's, so Im- imprecision is different than being sensitized. So like I said before, being sensitized is you have a lower threshold. So it takes less of an input to cause the output. Whereas imprecision, it's not that it causes less of an input for the output, but it's that you have all those neighboring neurons getting in on the action. Okay, and then another example of imprecision, and this was pretty interesting, may happen in the premotor cortex. So this is where our brain prepares for movement. So what should happen in the premotor cortex, it should excite the correct neuron and inhibit the adjacent one. So he had us, he had people uh, stand up in the aisle. So one person stood up on one side of the aisle and she was the premotor cortex. And she had people stand up across from her. And she would say, you stand up, but you next to them, you shut up and sit down. You to the right of them, you shut up and sit down. So that's what the premotor cortex does. It tells the correct person to stand up, the people on either side, and he says, shut up and sit down. But when you have imprecision within the premotor cortex, you know, all of a sudden, that premotor cortex doesn't tell those neighboring neurons to sit down and shut up. And if the premotor cortex does not inhibit adjacent neurons, you will have imprecision of that neurotag. Okay, so that's the difference. So you have a sensitization of a neurotag and imprecision. Okay, sensitization means it takes less to reach that threshold for it to go off. And imprecision means that you may have some neighboring neurons getting in on the action and causing maybe more widespread pain, let's say. 
Okay, so hopefully that makes some sort of sense. I know it's very complicated. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how to treat it, how to educate the patient on it. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. Have you ever considered consulting a roadmap when you feel you need help getting to your destination? When the normal path seems blocked, a little help can come in handy when choosing an alternate route. Your natal chart is a map of your potentials. It addresses relationships, finance, business, health, and above all, creativity. Current planetary cycles can either support or challenge your objectives. I'm Montgomery Taylor. If you would like to explore the help of a private astrological reading, please contact me at Monty at MontyTaylor.com. That's Monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at MontyTaylor.com. Talking Alternative Radio. 24 hours a day. This ain't a song for the broken hearted. Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I'm your host, Karen Litzy. Thank you all for joining me today. And if you notice today, uh, this is a quick programming note, that we've had less commercials, and that is how it is going to be from now on. We had, before the show was set up into five segments with four commercial breaks, and from here on out, there will only be four segments with three commercial breaks. We will have longer segments in between each commercial break. So if you notice, I actually just had to check on that because I was like, do we have two more sessions? No, we only have one, which is kind of sad because I actually had a lot more to to talk about. So anyway, uh, let's get back to my review of the uh, women's uh, health Fall Conference with Dr. Lorimer Mosley, Dr. Paul Hodges. Today I'm really just going over stuff of Lorimer Mosley because there's just so much stuff to do. Um, so let's now get into treatment, okay? So assessment, tre- treatment, limitations of treating chronic pain, okay? So 
when you're looking at your treatment, you want to look at treating the patient with cognitive, behavioral, and sort of targeted pathological findings. So, you know, our targeted pathological findings are historically, you know, the biomedical field. Then we have our cognitive, when this is where maybe teaching explained pain might come in handy, identifying threats, reassuring cognitive therapies. And then you have behavioral, which is looking at function and movement hierarchy. So, you know, uh, like I said, maybe using the evidence-based model of neuroscience explanation for pain, the Explain Pain book by Mosley and Butler, using graded motor imagery to increase the precision of the brain. Uh, And, of course, using our manual skills for facilitation of tissues and muscle function. But, again, it all goes back to that initial input and output. We have to know what inputs are going into this person from those four categories so that we can uh, get a better idea of what is their, their, where their output is coming from and how we can modulate that. Um, You know, one thing when it comes to, and and I know a lot of people have trouble with sort of the neuroscience education. How do we, how do we educate our patients on these really complicated uh, neuroscience information? It's very difficult. It's difficult for the clinician to even understand. So one thing that Dr. Mosley said uh, was a great way to engage your patient in the education aspect is to activate the limbic system. So, you know, he basically said, make them cry, make them happy, make them angry. You know, activating the limbic system um, will actually help with the retention of this knowledge and memory and everything else. Uh, Certain structures of the limbic system are involved in memory. uh, And, you know, you have the limbic system structures are also involved in emotions, motivations, uh, particularly those that are uh, related to survival. So emotions, fear, anger, and and a lot of other emotions. So if we can get to our patients, make them laugh, make them cry, make them angry, they're more likely to be more receptive and listen and remember the information that we are getting them, or I'm sorry, that we are giving them. Um, And a lot of it is the limbic system is also there for long-term storage and retrieves when necessary. So if, like I said, if you can get them laughing, crying, or even angry, they're more likely to learn the information you are giving them. And you want to try to educate them using stories, metaphors, he calls them yarns, things like that. And then you can sort of gently slip in the difficult biology while engaging the patient in a story. They're they're more likely to connect to it and to remember it. You know, so saying to someone tissue damaged, just because you have tissue damage doesn't mean you have pain. And a lot of people just don't understand that. You know, if something is torn or something is broken, obviously it's going to hurt when in fact that's not true. And uh, Lorimer Mosley gave the story of he was um, in PT school and he had to go to the emergency room and track people's pain as they came through the door. And in walks this guy with a hammer sticking out of his neck, blood all over the place, tissues, you know, and he had no pain. As a matter of fact, they... You know, he stopped to get a burger on the way there because he walked a mile with a hammer sticking out of him and had no pain. So, you know, I think when you kind of tell someone that story of, well, listen, you don't need tissue damage for pain. And you tell the story of a guy just walking around. And then and, and then Lorimer said he like turned around and like bumped his knee and started screaming in pain because he hurt his knee. 
when he has this this thing dangling out of a, a hammer dangling dangling out of the side of his neck. So being able to relate to your patients, obviously that's an extreme story, but you know to kind of think about stories, think about maybe something that that is relatable to them, something that's going to get that limbic system um, excited, and they're more likely to take in that message that you're giving them. Now, another great thing that, that I got from the course was uh, when treating your patients, those with chronic pain, you know, everyone's like, oh, I, I had a flare-up, but I don't really know what happened. I don't know when. I don't know how. Have them record a flare-up diary. So what you're doing is you're recording every hour of every day. So it's kind of what you've done. You take 10 or 20 seconds. You can write it down. You can speak into uh, your phone or into a voice recorder, and you record what you do every hour. So what did you do? How did you feel? And record what is happening in your body. You can set an alarm clock for every hour and record. And then if you have a flare-up, you may say, well, let's look at, let's say, two days prior to your flare-up? Are there any commonalities that have happened along, let's say you're doing this for a couple of months? Are you noticing any commonalities? Are you noticing, God, I was feeling depressed that day? Or you may not have, quote-unquote, done anything, because it's always like, I don't know, I didn't even do anything, and I have all this pain. So maybe you didn't do anything, or maybe you just don't remember doing anything. So keeping a flare-up diary, I think for those who have chronic pain, is a great way to kind of help to see, do we have a pattern here? Is it the way you feel? Is it maybe where you sat? Is it who you were with? Is it, you know, like I said earlier, if you have chronic neck pain, every time you pass by the site where you had your car accident, you have pain, but you never noticed it until you wrote it down. You know, or gosh, you hate going to work the second Wednesday of every month because the second Wednesday of the month is when you hurt your back. You know, so these are things that if you write them down, it's just a little bit easier for you to uh, get a clearer picture as to what's going on and and why you might be having these flare-ups. So I think as as the clinician, having your patients do that, it's it's a great idea. And again, you're kind of having them write down sort of every hour, what are they doing? How are they feeling? And then you'll have something in, in concrete that you can then show the patient. And that's a great way to educate your patient as well. Um, another thing uh, that he suggested, there's a book called Painful Yarns written by Laura Mosley. It's a collection of uh, stories, metaphors, things like that. And giving that book to people, you know, definitely help them to sort of work through some of their uh, some of their pain issues and things like that. And it made them feel a little bit better. It's definitely made for the patient. Uh, as the clinician, I highly recommend getting the book Explain Pain by uh, Lorimer Mosley and David Butler. It's a great book. It goes through a lot of this complex neurobiology, uh, but again, makes it very easy to understand and then will actually help you explain that a little bit easier to your patients. So, you know, unfortunately, we have almost run out of time here, and I got almost what I wrote down out. Um, like I said, unfortunately, I didn't have time to, to review the stuff that Paul Hodges did. I will do that in maybe a couple of weeks. 
Uh, so anyway, thank you so much for listening to my quick synopsis of Lorimer Mosley's speech at the Women's Health section of the APTA, their fall conference. And next week, be sure to tune in. I will be interviewing the executive director for the International Association for the Study of Pain, or IASP. Uh, they're a great organization that every healthcare professional should know about. They're a great resource to the health professional that can be then passed. Um, that information you get from them can certainly be translated down into your patient care. So be, be, be sure to meet me right back here next week at 1 o'clock. Uh, Eastern Standard Time right here on Talking Alternative and to all those affected by Hurricane Sandy again our thoughts and prayers here at Talking Alternative certainly go out to you all the information that I gave at the beginning of the hour will be on my Facebook page on, on Healthy, Wealthy and Smart with Karen Litzy or on Twitter at Karen Litzy NYC so thanks for tuning in and we'll see you here next week and in the meantime stay healthy, wealthy and smart You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi, I'm Dana. And I'm Don. We are certified certified mediators. And I am a family and couples licensed therapist and author of Please Don't Buy Me Ice Cream. Our show, New Beginnings, is about helping you and your family recover financially and emotionally and start the beginning of your life. We'll answer your questions on divorce, family court, co-parenting, personal development, new relationships, blending families, and more. Dana and I will bring you to a place of empowerment and belief that even though marriages may end, families are forever. Join us every Monday starting September 10th at 10 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. This is Tony Martinetti, the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Technology, fundraising, compliance, social media. Small and medium nonprofits have needs in all these areas. My guests are expert in all these areas and more. Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern, on Talking Alternative Broadcasting. Are you fed up with talking points rhetoric? Everywhere you turn, it's left or right spin, ideology, no reality. In fact, it's ideology over intellect. No more. It's time for the truth. Join me, Larry Sharp, a.k.a. The Neo Sage, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11 Eastern, for the Ivory Tower Radio Program. In the Ivory Tower, we'll discuss what's important to you, society, politics, business, and family. It's provocative talk for the realist and the skeptic who want to know what's really going on. What does it mean 
and what can be done about it. So gain special access to the Ivory Tower and listen to me, Larry Sharp, your Neo Sage, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11, New York time. Go to ivorytowerradio.com for details. That's ivorytowerradio.com. The Ivory Tower is a great place to visit for both entertainment and education. Listen in, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11. It will make you smarter. TalkingAlternative.com 